were listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 153. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent four and five-figure months and then on to six and seven-figure years without burning out in the process. As you probably are aware, the world slightly changed last year because of this little fucking thing called COVID. This meant that the live events were no more. Those bear hugs we would give each other at live events, gone. Boom, bam. But not everything went away. In fact, amazing virtual events were popping up all around the globe and continue to pop up. In fact, virtual events are something all businesses can consider and should consider with growth of their business. And that's why I'm super, super excited that I'm able to bring on the podcast today, the amazing Alicia, all the way from my home country, Canada, to talk about how to plan, profit, and run an amazing virtual event. We talk about the different types of events, the planning of these events, free versus paid events, sponsorship, and so much more. It's a brilliant episode. But before we get into this episode, this episode is sponsored by Australia's leading four-day, three-night women in business retreat, a live event, ladies, that is exclusive for women in business. I run these events every year, minus obviously COVID. This retreat is where we focus on women having the chance to connect, refocus, learn, and grow in order to grow both in business and in life. This amazing live four-day event will be held from November 4th through till November 7th at the Gold Coast here in Queensland, Australia. It is an exclusive event with only 50 tickets being sold, and I can confirm that 60% of tickets at time of recording have already been sold. Denise Duffield Thomas, a good friend of mine, will be opening keynote. We've got Bujra live streaming all the way from the UK. We've got Cherie from Digital Picnic and so many other top speakers to surrounding yourself with amazing people that will lift you up both at the conference and after the conference. This event will also have daily masterminds to get individualized help on your business from both peers and the speakers to amazing food, being able to sleep and eat a meal with being uninterrupted by your children and more. Head to AngelaHenderson.com.au to grab your ticket today. Welcome to the show, Alicia. Thank you so much, Angela, for having me. Super excited to have you here, not only because we're going to have a great conversation today and chatting about how to plan, profit, and run an amazing virtual event, but it is always fun to welcome a Canadian to the show. I mean, what is not to love about us Canadians, Tim Hortons? We're just so nice. (laughs) You know, ketchup, potato chips, hockey. I mean, we've got Wayne Gretzky. Seriously, what is there not to love? So super glad to have you on. Now, Before I jump in and start talking to you about how to plan, profit, and run an amazing virtual event, I always like to ask my guests a fun question so that the audience gets to know you a little bit more because you'll be quite new to this particular audience. So my fun question to you is, is obviously you run virtual events and pre-COVID you run uh, also equally amazing live events. But I'd love to know what is the best live and virtual event that you've ever attended, but as an attendee? Ooh, good question. So I know the live event that I attended, it was back in August 2019, I believe. Um, It was 
from Jamie Jocelyn King, the sleigh coach. Uh, she, mm-hmm. It was in Kentucky, the best event that I've ever been to. I met some amazing friends that I'm still friends with now, had some whiskey, had some dancing. <laughs> we had, there was a fat, it was just, it was incredible. So that was my favorite uh, live event. My favorite virtual event as attendee um, had to be one in, in, in the industry. It was about um, the pandemic and also about where event props were happening. Uh, we're going. So very, very informative for me, content-based. I met some really great event professionals, ended up having clubhouse rooms and things like that. So definitely, um, you know, two different sides of the spectrum. One was super fun and one was very informative. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is like events can be anything to different people. You know, it depends on what you're on. I run Australia's Leading Women in Business Retreat. And so we run that every year in November. Obviously last November we couldn't. And it's, you know, the energy at a live event can be quite contagious it can be quite awesome but it can also put introverts into a bit of a spin sometimes and so I'm mindful of that (laughs) but the um and we'll talk more about it today but virtual events are also adding their awesomeness to it even though it's not live and so it's it's just such a great evolution really to see how well events can still be done online and that's why I'm super excited to jump into that today one other question though just so that the audience gets to know you a little bit more Alicia is where did you start your business journey and what are you up to now? Just so that they kind of understand your business journey. Oh, yeah. So I've been in business for myself since I was 14. My first business was actually selling bracelets and jewelry and beads <laughs> in, 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 uh, in you know elementary and high school. Um, but I always had... Um, a business from, from, like I said, the age of 14, even though it was registered. Uh, And then my second business, official business, age 19. And I used to run a brick and mortar dance studio. And then I had another business. So I, this is like my fifth or sixth business in Mm -hmm. where, um, you know, it's always been just about bringing people together, regardless of what the business or industry it was. So I loved bringing women particularly together. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, that's where I've been. I I used to run um, back, you know, in Angel Fire ICQ days. I used to run an online women's community on the internet, which was very unheard of uh, back in you know, 2003, <laughs> yep. I think it was. Um, and so I used to bring women from all over the world together in an online forum. Remember the forums, the chat rooms? Back in the <laughs> and, day. Uh, back in the day. And so I really, that's my journey thus far. But really, um, my events business, it's been about six, seven years since I've run it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what's your favorite part about running the events business? Oh, you know, I, I think there's so many different aspects. I mean, I love having a team. Um, that's one of my favorite things is having a team that I can rely on and just go to, but also the actual events that that happen, whether they've, they're virtual or whether they're live, seeing the end result is just you know, you can breathe a sigh of relief on the day of and just see, just see come to fruition, just see the the whole thing come together, mm-hmm. the, you know, labor of love that you put yourself into for the last, you know, months and months and months and, and see it come to life. But really it's, it's, it's having that team and, and really having that, um, you know, that day of seeing what you've, you've created for the last couple of months come together. And like you said, that sigh of relief going okay we yeah. fucking, we fucking oh, yes. did it and it's good <laughs> and everyone it. survived right that we had no exactly. tech problems or there was tech problems but we pulled it off anyways because we had the contingency plan so yes it's one of those things when you run mm-hmm. events you're like you can lay in your hotel room or in your house if you're in COVID right and just go we pulled it off exactly. my friends we pulled it off now we're here today obviously because the scene has changed so much over the last year uh, around events and different countries being in different positions with dealing with COVID. 
We're here to talk about how to plan, profit, and run an amazing virtual event. But for those businesses out there who may have never considered running on a virtual event or don't even know where to start, I'd love for you to share, like, why should businesses even consider consider this as part of their business strategy to run a virtual event? Well, listen, I think there's there's a number of reasons. Um, the first always being brand awareness. I ran my first event myself or my own business last year at the height of COVID and April. And I actually had 750 people show up to my own event. I mean, the event planner always behind the scenes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So really, right. It's, it's, I was like, wow, I actually did it for myself. Um, <laughs> but I had, you know, this great brand awareness people that, um, you know, speak, the speakers brought in some great attendees. And so I really think brand awareness is, is really great to, to, to think about and to see. Um, also, obviously profit, like you've mentioned, profit's always great. I had an enrollment um, type of event. So after my event was over, I was able to bring people into my coaching programs, which also helped me um, with a cash infusion. So that was really great for myself, but then also community, right? Mm -hmm. You bring people together, you're letting them into your world and you're able to bring them on a journey, whatever that is. You can maybe, you know, start a connection or start something, you know, from, from that. So, you know, events, whether they're in person, um, virtual events are amazing because you also have more eyeballs on your virtual event for people that, uh, you know, during COVID people have more time on their hands, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. right? So there's Mm -hmm. not this travel, there's not kids sports. I mean, I'm in Canada, but there's no kids sports happening. I don't have this busy, hectic schedule. I still do, don't get me wrong, but there's nothing extracurricular for me right now in the last year. Um, So more eyeballs, more um, traffic, more people can attend. And then also we can make it evergreen. So you can repackage that in a later date um, into something brand new and, and remarket it. So, you know, there's, there's four reasons right off the bat. And I think they're really compelling reasons. Um, you know, just like a course, you, you, you launch a course, you can have extra money, extra traffic and brand awareness. Also with, for those that go to like the live event, I mean, I know when I run my live event, there's overheads, right? It's like the cost for the venue, the cost for, a merchandise for like the list goes on and on what you're called photographers freaking gifts you name it right and so running a virtual event what I also love about it is that your overheads are a lot less and so if you are wanting to get into the event space live or virtual it's a great way to get your feet wet because you don't necessarily have to carry, carry those overheads would you agree or disagree on that I would say there is a definite reduction of cost. However, if you are going to do a virtual event, let's say yourself DIY, you're going to just maybe host it on Zoom, you're going to have your VA run it absolutely 100%. You're going to have less. Maybe you're still going to do gift bags or virtual swag bags. Mm -hmm. Um, Perhaps you're mailing them out. That's still gifts, right? If you're hiring AV or production, um, you know, to, to run your show, to help you that's that's also cost i mean maybe again reduction 10 20 percent reduction fee mm-hmm. you're paying your speakers that's still a cost right mm-hmm. so i think the biggest thing it would be the venue itself is where you can kind of slash those prices mm-hmm. um so i would still i would still definitely say there is a you know a, a, a reduction but it's not all gone away unless course, you're yeah, DIYing yeah. it <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah now for those that are like okay i've never considered this what type of businesses could have 
a virtual event because I know that there'll be listeners out there going, ah, it's not relevant to me. It's not relevant to me. But I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, because we're also friends on Facebook. I mean, we're not obviously besties because we don't know each other, but, you know, I, we are friends. And we I remember can be. <laughs> again, Canadians do stick together. Uh, but I swear I saw somewhere on your feed that you had signed NASA to work with to run an event. Did I? Am I correct? With I that? did. You're I mean, so how right. fun is that? And obviously, you might not be able to talk too much about it, but. It's like NASA. I would like when I saw that, I was like, why the hell? NASA? What? Like, why would they be doing it? So I just want to kind of set the benchmark. Like, are virtual events for anyone? And if so, or and if not, who would they not be for in your experience? I mean, I think they can be for anybody. If you run a business, you're a coach, you're an entrepreneur, you're a small business, you're a florist, you're whatever, you can still run some sort of virtual event, workshop, masterclass, summit, event, conference retreat, whatever you name it, I think there is a hundred percent an opportunity to do something, even if it's a webinar, mm-hmm. right? You're still teaching people how to do something or bringing together a series of experts in, in order to do something, to educate, to listen, to um, bring together, um, you know, even if it's networking, even to bring together, you know, 20 women at the end of the month, that's an event. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think there's, um, there's something. And yes, with, with NASA, I mean, I'm, 27 pages of, of a non-disclosure agreements later, I can't necessarily release any, but they are doing events. They are doing um, different activities. I mean, there's going to be, I think, 4,000 people on the line. Um, and so it's, it's something it's, everyone's doing it, right. It's not just, it's not just one business. It's multiple businesses and industries. And I always say with those businesses out there who are like, they might not because it's so new and they may, may never have considered it before. But the reality of it is, is opportunities are everywhere. If you choose 100. to look mm-hmm. for opportunity uh, and it's, but you equally, you can choose to have excuses too, right? So I'm like your life, your choice. But the reality of it is, is if you're willing to look outside the box and look for opportunity, then virtual events, regardless how big, smaller type of event can still work for a business. So when it comes to the planning Agreed. part of these particular events, though, where you're like, all right, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm all about <laughs> a plan. OK, because if not, I feel like no plan equal equals you're walking into disaster area. Oh, disaster, uh, Angela. <laughs> and it's like and I just feel like it's one thing after potentially another. So I'd love to know how imperative is it to plan out a virtual event and what are the key elements that people need to consider when in these planning stages? Great, great question. Absolutely. You need a plan. Um, You know, I always say treat an event, virtual, live, hybrid, um, as a separate business plan, right? Because if you just kind of, oh, hope for the best, I mean, that's great too, right? Don't get me wrong. You can still put together an event, but Mm -hmm. you still, you need to plan it. You need to understand when your due dates are. Um, I use Asana. My team uses Asana. We're, We're super sticklers on organization, setting those goals, setting those KPIs, setting those due dates. So for instance, you know, um, and I have a virtual event checklist that will go through that timeline, but um, planning it and seeing your plan in front of you actually um, helps you organize yourself, your brain. So you don't feel like it's chaotic, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You you don't have a theft. To me, if you don't plan, it's like you have a thousand sticky notes in your brain. How are you going to organize that? Mm -hmm. So remember, you know, sticking to a plan, um, your timelines really should be 
Um, you know, what, what you're, if you're busy and you can't, you know, commit to let's say three, four, five hours per week, give yourself at least a four month timeline to, to really get to the speakers. And you're also really um, at the speaker's mercy of their communication back, because if you're great at communication and they're not, they're going to put kind of a dent in your plan to, to plan forward. Right. So mm-hmm. remember, it's always not just you. It's if you're booking vendors, you're, you, the communication is also dependent on that. But, but just having that plan, yeah. I mean, everything just flows, right? If you're organized and calm, I'm like again for me with my team, they are a bit more organized and calm. And then on the day, things are more organized and calm, like which means then the attendees know that it's organized and calm. But if shit starts to go crazy and chaos, it's like it ain't good for anybody, right? It's just like, and I think regardless. Sometimes we think, oh, we're just running a like a master class. There's only going to be twenty people. In my opinion, never minimize those 20 people who have agreed to show up to your event. You still treat them just as good as if they were paying you thousands. And and uh, and sometimes I think I well, I don't think I've seen it happen where it's like people almost minimize that it's a smaller group. And I'm like, actually, no, treat every one of these people like humans. Organize it just like you would if it was a 5,000 person event. Like, just do the right thing because if not, you're compromising your brand. You're potentially compromising sales if you're running something or pitching something at the end. Like. It all starts like that plan is through everything, not just that, you know, like the day to day running of it. It is part of your business collectively. Right. I mean, imagine if all those 20 people told their friends how horrible it was Mm -hmm. and then they told their friends. I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, everyone's human. You're still creating an experience that can help catapult. 20 people can next time be 80 people. And I've Mm -hmm. seen it. Some of my clients say that for me, well, we'll start small. So we start very easily, very slow and steady wins the race. If they're afraid to kind of go out there and and plan for something big, you know, Mm -hmm. my, my own event, I planned for, I, I, my goal was like, I want a hundred people because my smaller masterminds, they're always like 20, 25 people. Same with me. I ended up with 750 people. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, even if it's, 20 people, a thousand people, 10,000 people, you're still going to treat them like you. You're still, they're still very important to you and your brand, regardless. Yep. Good. I'm always like, I always go, I'll go on a whim, but I'm like, dude, these people are humans. So we got to treat them like humans. Now, mm-hmm. if people are like, okay, this is sounding good. I didn't think as a hairdresser I could do this, or I didn't think as a natural path I could do this, or I'm a prep teacher selling something on the side. And well, okay, actually, you guys have me thinking here. How many months would you say businesses need to consider when putting together an event? So obviously, the bigger the event, I'm assuming you'd want more months. But could you give us a few examples? Absolutely. So I would say at a minimum for a virtual event, right? If you if you're planning it again, very many different factors, variables in this equation. But let's say you you are going to plan a fifty to seventy five person event. It's only you. You're a solopreneur. Um, you don't have maybe you have a VA or a, two or three people on your team. You have to market it yourself. And there's a couple of speakers. Minimum three three to four months, I would say. Um, just because again, you're marketing it, you're putting together your materials. You want to be prepared ahead of time. You want to ensure that you're set up for success. Um, and, you know, with all the marketing. So you know, put together a folder for your speakers, get your assets in there. Mm-hmm. Um, anything bigger. I mean, I would say again, virtual events. Um, I, we put together massive events in like three months, but because mm-hmm. I have a big team that can support different aspects, I have a speaker manager, I have a sponsorship manager, I've got the production guy and I've got a project lead, right? So if you can imagine three months for four or five people leading the team, a 10,000 person event, 
Um, again, it just, it just depends. Right. So, um, you know, if it's more than a hundred people, like let's say 250 to 500 online, virtually even up to a thousand, um, you'll need maybe two, three pair of hands. Um, again, having that four to five month timeline is, is, is beneficial. Yeah, and I know last year, uh, I was due to speak on three different stages last year, obviously, COVID had plans. And so I was like, well, how can I still reach these women that need to hear what I have to say so that I can help them to, you know, grow sustainable and profitable businesses. And I was like, you know what, I know quite a people, a lot of people around the world I was like, you know what, I'll just run a summit, I'll just, you know, run a summit. Mm, Now, also, because of my ADHD, I have a million ideas on any given moment. And so Friday night, I made the decision to run the summit. By Sunday morning, I had all 50 speakers confirmed, pretty much. (laughs) I was waiting for one person to get back to me. And I told my team on Monday. So my team was like, what? What what are you? And no, like, (laughs) and I was like, no, I was like, I think we can pull it off. They're like, but you need to get speakers. I was like, no, we're good. We got them. I was like, I said, I reached out to all my connections. And they all said, yes. I said, I'm waiting for... There was two speak. No, actually one, two. I apologize, two, because we actually had 51 speakers. 49 had already come through, and we were wow. waiting for two. Uh, but again, it was different, right? I had a team. I've I've ran my own live events before. I was able to outsource a project manager on for like to not to add to the additional plight of the team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, my business has different types of levels of cash flow. So I was able to afford those things. And from start to finish, start to final execution, it was six weeks turnaround, and we had just under 400 people. So again, it, and we had affiliates and, you know, things like that. So like, I, I like your answer, because it depends, right? If you've got team and it cash depends. flow, then you can totally, if you've got maybe not a busy schedule, and you've got bandwidth to do it, great, you can probably, but Theoretically, yes, it probably is going to take those three to four months to to do it, especially if it's a task, in my opinion, that you've never done before, like you've never ran events before, you don't know, you're really starting from scratch. So I would agree. But yeah, no, my, my team yeah. is always like, could you not next time? Can we just have a talk about this before you have all these people <laughs> agree to everything right now? Running exactly. a, an event um, is hard on any given you know, live or not, but you add virtual and Zoom or any platform where people are consuming content at this particular stage. And we're, we're running into fatigue, you know, and, and people are talking about fatigue. And, and it can be hard to engage these particular people because of the Zoom type features are this. What do you suggest people include to keep these events fresh and vibrant so that people are still participating and feeling like valued, seen and heard while these events are going on? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, you know, think about it. Uh, have you ever binged on Netflix for any given time frame? Yeah. Many, you know, have you ever sat on in front of a TV for more than eight hours? And mm-hmm. did you feel fatigued? Right? It's, it's funny, because I, I love the saying Zoom fatigue. I mean, we've been using Zoom forever. Mm-hmm. I think the corporate people came in and were so used to the corporate like, you know, lifestyle down the hall, and they weren't on the computer all day. So I think there is a certain amount of Zoom fatigue. I think I think Zoom fatigue is actually a saying for it's boring, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you go to an event, right? Because I can watch Netflix. I mean, gosh, don't don't let me say this on air. <laughs> like I can watch <laughs> Netflix for hours and hours and uh-huh. I'm not bored because it's entertaining. Uh-huh. So that's the thing. It's like, you have to make it a production. You have to make it entertaining. It cannot be boring or else that, then people get this quote unquote Zoom fatigue. They drop off and they never come back. Mm. And so, you know, the idea is, it, you know, right this it's a production it has to be 
a production it has to be kind of like a TV show. Mm-hmm. You have to ensure that your quality of production and not just a floating head on Zoom, because yeah, that's boring, is going <laughs> to be more than just your your show. So I've run, you know, production shows where I'm the show director. I'm I'm reaching, you know, I have got eight people on comms. I'm saying, okay, angle one, camera two, you know, lower third with the title. And so all these things may seem foreign to you, but again, you can utilize these really interesting engagement factors. You can mm-hmm. in Zoom, let's pretend. You can use an app called, and I love this app, it's called Mm-hmm app. So M-M-H-M-M dot app. Uh-huh. You can get it. Um, I think if there's a free trial um, and the RLS is pretty cheap, right? Like $10 a month or something where yeah. you can actually make your presentation super engaging, if, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you're a speaker that's going to take virtual stages um, and it will help you with your presentations. You can also add engagement on Zoom. Um, I always like the 10-2 rule for every um, 10 minutes do an engagement piece that could be get up and stretch. That could be a music break. That could be a video that could be different ideas, multimedia. Um, That could be maybe entertainment, right? Mixologist that could be put an emoji in the chat. Let's connect again, put a word in the chat for platforms. There's gamification. There's we've done scavenger hunts. We've done escape rooms. We've we've done it all. Trust me. Mm -hmm. But the end of the day, it's a production. And I think the idea for that, not to be boring is to make it as every 10 minutes or every, even if, even if you can do 10 minutes, every 20 minutes, change up your, your production, Mm -hmm. have a different angle. Um, you know, no longer are, are eight hour zoom days have fun, small bursts of content online. I I don't like going to an agenda more than like a five hour day. It just doesn't Mm -hmm. work for me. Right. Yeah. I have kids. We have kids. We're at home. We're distracted, whatever. So make it short, make it fun, make it educational and make it the best thing you can do in a five hour day or less. Mm-hmm. I know I've seen um, in one of the masterminds I've been, they've, they brought like a DJ. Right. So that was interesting. Yeah, yeah, so the exactly. DJ was there. Um, I also remember another mastermind I was in, they brought a live goat. Like we were live in a goat farm. So they're like, hey, our oh, special yeah. guest is putting in. We're, it's like a freaking goat farm and llamas and yeah. stuff. Right. But again, it was like, it, it almost like that disruptive marketing, right? It disrupted what you were doing to actually be forced to pay attention. Even if you're like a freaking farm, you're like, whatever. But you're like, you're, there was like this, you were intrigued. How are they live streaming from the farm? What what the hell's that go? What is that like? You were doing to me, and again though, regardless, like you said, if you were interested with the farm, it still left a memorable experience. It still got me talking to other people. I'm not talking about it now, right? Exactly. And so again, I like the word that you use there is consider it that production. Now there seems to be a lot of peas because we're going on to the next one, which is profit. Can virtual mm-hmm. events be profitable? And if so, how is that through tickets, sponsorship? Is it sometimes a combination? What does that look like? I think it's a combination. I mean, it depends on the event itself. I mean, if you're if you're running a, a virtual event, you're a service provider, coach, consultant, entrepreneur. Um, there is always room to have a couple of sponsors to offset some of the costs. Um, to have maybe an ex- expo area, maybe sell some virtual booths. Is that something that you want to do? The ticket pricing, um, typically because it's a virtual, I wouldn't price it too high. Um, so I've seen a little bit of reduction in ticket prices. So maybe 20% off of what the in-person looks like, because maybe we're not doing as many gifts or something, um, or there's not extra time with, you know, one-to-one coaching. Um, But 
ticket pricing, usually do not add that up. What I see when you can add the profit and what I know is true is what the enrollment is after. So what are you offering to continue to work with, you know, the actual host? Mm -hmm. So perhaps that's, you know, you're offering a five-week coaching program after your event and that's your offer. You're going to enroll, you know, 10% of your your audiences and that could equal $50,000, let's say. Mm -hmm. So that's something. Um, If it's it's a bigger type of event, industry, you know, corporation, brand awareness, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, your ticket prices are maybe a little bit higher, like let's say $300, $400. You can really offset a lot of the cost with your your ticket pricing. Mm -hmm. Um, But really when it comes to profitability, you have to think about the after effect. Like what are people going to do after the event? You've offered all this content. Where and how are people going to work with you in the after? And so, um, you know, I've seen I've seen some events sponsored 100 percent and then some by sponsors. Mm-hmm. So it just it really depends. We do an event in January. Um, it's a tech conference, and we get the entire thing sponsored. Okay, mm-hmm. and so the ticket pricing are all profits after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking so, of sponsorship. I mean, what's your number one tip you can give when it comes to getting paid sponsorship? Because again, it's it's a very intriguing component to be able to add. Well, if I can get this entire event paid for through sponsorship, drinks, food, whatever, if it was live per se, but if it's virtual, you know, all those other virtual overheads and then be able to be profitable off of every ticket. And that's not even what's the back end offer off of that, right? What's your number one tip you can give when it comes to getting those paid sponsorships? I mean, it's a long-term it's a long-term partnership. It's a long-term game. I would never suggest be just going out to, to find sponsors just because you want money. Uh-huh. It really comes down to relationships and, and alignment with the company, right? There's uh-huh. some companies that I'm just like, I love them so much because I love who they are. I love their culture. I love their business. I love everything that they do. So that to me, and if they love me, oh my gosh, it's a match made in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. If our if our audiences align. So I've had sponsors who are over the moon to sponsor some of my events because everything matches up. And, you know, we have that rapport because mm-hmm. I've introduced myself. I've said, hey, I've seen you at this event. I've, been, you know, I've talked to somebody there. I maybe purchased their products and part of their affiliate program. So remember, it's not just about the money because if you're going after somebody for the money, it's, you know, hey. No one's good. No one wants you know you, you to put your their hands out and be like give me money. I don't mm-hmm. care about you. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's definitely what I have to say about sponsorships is that don't rely on sponsors to to pro, you know to get your event to profit. Mm-hmm. Um, think about how you can be because they're human, right? We're going back to this human comment. They're human too, mm-hmm. and so you know treat your spot treat potential sponsors. You know you can find what companies do you work with right now? Or like what companies, for instance, like I love Podia. That's my my favorite, you know, um, place to host all my courses, my membership, my programs, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, You know, I moved over to Podia from another company, but um, I ended up seeing them live at an event. I was like, man, I'm in love with you guys just because (laughs) they were, they were just so incredible. And their story was incredible and resonated super well with me. And we stayed in touch and we, he's, you know, freaking guest on my podcast. He's featured, um, he's featured me in, in, in podia.com on the blog. And I mean, again, it's a match made in heaven. So Mm -hmm. really think about what relationships are you currently um, you know, in right now and, and how can maybe you start a conversation and, and think about long-term partnerships, please. Uh-huh. Because if you think about short-term, 
no one's going to go for that. It's just not possible. And I love that because I, when my first business, Finley and me, I used to be one of Australia's leading influencers. So I did a lot of sponsorship stuff. I was signed with Netflix as one of their top 30 influencers here in Australia, New Zealand, and, you know, big you know, club meds, Hilton's, you know, a variety of other international and national brands. And for me, it was always about the long-term relationship with these individuals, because I also found there were companies that came to me and they're like, no, we just want a one-off thing. And I'm like, well, listen, I can, I'm happy to take your money and do a one-off thing. But to me, it's like, how can we work together long-term and how can I ensure that I'm getting your brand positioned multiple times and not just as a one-off hit? So I really try to take like a holistic approach, not only building relationship, but also the overall campaign as, you know, one post on social media probably is not going to cut it. They might think it is, but if the algorithm is not in your favor and things like that, I was like, this isn't going to work. You probably want access to my email database. You might want some video content done. You might want some live streaming. Like, And again, this will have to evolve over time as I get to know you more, understand more about your company, the brand, your values, right? Some of them got it and exactly. others did it. And I had always more success for those who are looking at that long-term relationship, that long-term campaign than one-off again. I'm very big about human to human marketing, the experience and interaction one faces with a particular brand. It's like, you know, what is that? And to me, it's like that long-term experience, like that long-term interaction. So no, so I couldn't agree more about making sure, again, people are treated like humans. Exactly. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's definitely something that I hear 99.9% of the time with sponsors and I talk to them pretty much on a semi-daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and they know too, like people... I don't know. They they just know. Like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, I don't know how some people think that they can actually write an email like this or do this or have the balls to say this. I mean, people do, but I'm like, have you lost your mind? Have you maybe like, I always said, like, there's a funny thing where people like, what's your price? And I'm like, on one of the memes, I put, I'm like, hello, my name is Angela. Like, just ask, like, they're already jumping to things before they even ask you your name, right? So now, what have you found in your experience with running, running these events? What are the pros and cons of having a paid or a free event? Have you seen any ups or downs in either of those categories? Oh, yeah. When, when, you, when you host a free event, unfortunately, um, you there's no accountability, right? There's no mm-hmm. accountability to that ticket. So it's very difficult to actually see a hundred percent show rate of the attendees. So um, the la- you know, the last event that, you know, from a client, it was definitely free because they had to, we had about um, a 50% show rate for, mm-hmm. from that. So half of the people showed up, mm-hmm. which is very bad. Some circumstances, only 20% of people show up. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult to to, um, to to understand how attendees show because there's no accountability. I didn't pay for it, so I don't need to go. Yeah. So, I, you know, I always say recommend that, you know, a pro is is even if you want to do, a, you know, a dollar ticket. I mean, you've probably seen this strategy before. A dollar ticket just or even like a $20 small minimal fee so that people still have the accountability because I paid I think $35 for a ticket for a concert um, a couple weeks ago virtual concert and I was like yep I have to go it's on my calendar I paid for it I paid for it right it's like Mm -hmm. the kind of the value aspect Mm -hmm. so um, my recommendation don't do free um, mm-hmm. Unless, you know, unless it's a masterclass or it's a webinar, unless it's a different type of angled event where, um, you know, it's more like a live or something of that nature mm-hmm. um, or even a clubhouse chat. I mean, we've seen virtual events happen on there. So it, it just it's just very, you know, dependent on, on your your needs. But again, a, a bigger virtual event that's free 
doesn't quite work out for that show up rate that you need. Um, paid events, um, you know, I think that $97 is a great price point. Um, mm-hmm. under, the, under the $100 threshold seems to, to work really well. And then having those upgrades in a VIP setting is, is, is a great, um, great secondary choice as well. And like you said, it's about people taking accountability and investing in that commitment, right? Exactly. Um, and exactly. of course, you're still going to have some people don't show up, their kids sick, car accident, whatever. Yeah, always. For the majority always. of people. But I would also argue from a business consultant point of view is that they've already given, even now inquired them as a client. They're technically a paying client. They've gone from cold or warm and they're now a hot client. The likelihood, if you're able to perform and nurture them like humans and execute a great event, that if you've got an offer on the back end, they're more likely to you know, continue to throw money at your face, right? So like, I I think again, by having that, that's what we did with our summit. It was a small amount of fee. I think it was like $47. I'd have to double check for the ticket. Uh, And affiliates also got 50% kickback for any of the affiliates that um, purchased because I wanted to be able to give back to those speakers also. Um, And so again, yeah, we, we were able to see that, sure enough, they were more happy or they may not have purchased right away, but they're more engaged in my community. They're leaving reviews on the podcast. So they're still active in my ecosystem. And I always say to people, just because it's a no from them now doesn't mean it's a no from them forever. Because even though they're a hot client and they've still paid for that ticket, it might not have been enough for them to go, I'm committed to you full term, right? But they're still there in your ecosystem and you've still been branding, you know, your business. So I'm with you on, I would rather some small, small amount of money than that free. And that's what I also Mm -hmm. been talking about with like lead magnets too, right? Free lead magnets are great to some degree, but I don't know about you, any free lead magnet that I download, I put into my resource folder and it's there if I ever need it. Whereas when I'm paying even $7 for a lead magnet, $17, $27, whatever, I still at least open it and have a sticky beak around. I might not utilize it all, but I'm still actively looking at it. So I agree. Just even a small amount is better than nothing. Now, when it comes to running the event on the day, what are the main things that you would want businesses to consider? I always have a run a show, have a contingency plan in tech, in virtual tech, um, have two plans, backup plans, um, have a backup modem, (laughs) especially if you're running the show, have multiple computers, um, but really a run of show that actually tells you minute by minute what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, And, and really just ensuring that you practice, practice, practice. Um, And, you know, again, especially technology, we can't control it sometimes, which is unfortunate, but we can always have a plan B. Um, So really thinking about, you know, utilizing that and and, and ensuring that your team is prepped and everybody's prepped and they know exactly what's happening. Communication, um, you know, I've seen shows fall apart miserably because people are like, oh, what's the transition? How do, what's okay? Back to you. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, make sure everybody's on the same page, um, virtual, in a virtual setting. Um, In a live setting, you know, it's easier to read that non- verbal body like you know what I mean you can read Mm -hmm. body language you can see cues you can see people waving the back of the room but in a virtual setting everybody's in their own home you can't see who's who's next or what's happening you can't unless you're on comms Mm -hmm. so again you know thinking about and everything has to be over communicated Mm -hmm. for, for your day and I don't think you can ever not not communicate too much on those type of things, yeah. right? Like, hey, do you have Over. the running sheet? Okay, yeah, well, here it is for the 50th time. Just don't lose it, right? Like, oh, here's the link again. I know when I was running a live event last year, because I also have a mastermind and we were due to be meeting up 
uh, obviously we couldn't. So uh, Denise Duffield Thomas is a good friend of mine. She was one of the speakers. I'd least a quarterfinal whole bunch of amazing humans that were speaking. And Zoom actually changed, like I've got a password already embedded in my link, like you would have seen today when you click, it's already there. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to enter any passwords, et cetera. But they went in there and changed something and assured me that it was still fire. And so I went in there, to, like I got off the call with Zoom uh, support. I then went in there to test it and sure enough, it didn't fire. So all of the links mm -hmm. that they had been given no longer worked. Um, so then I had to go back into Zoom and then like it was now two o'clock in the morning and Zoom still had me technically out of my account. It was so fucked up, right? I was like working with someone like there was three zoom members on a zoom call with me trying to figure out what was going on and no one knew what they had done. Oh, no. And so yeah. I was like, sitting there going, what's our backup plan? I was like, great. I could create a new Facebook group. I can send text messages to each of them. If we have to, I'll have my team call them if we have to, because the event was starting at nine. This was two. I was like in the morning and it was still wasn't resolved. So luckily they were able to get it resolved, but we still had to send them links out. And like I was saying to zoom, I was like, I look like the dumbass because of you guys. Like I've sent all these links and I'm like, oh, sorry guys, Zoom fucked up. They're like, yeah, right, Zoom fucked up. It's your error. But I'm like, <laughs> genuinely, I'm always like, and so I shut up. I was like, listen guys, I've been up until three. I'm going to be here. I'm going to give it to you all. But Zoom, it genuinely was not my error. But I had to have a backup plan, right? Ready to go. Um, and again, luckily enough, I was testing links and not taking it for you know granted that they were going to do what they said they were going to do. So listen, you know, this good old Zoom, <laughs> good old Zoom. Like I said, it, again, they've had significant growth themselves this year. So I yeah, try and be yeah. patient because I'm like, listen, no one could have predicted what, what was going to happen. But no. I'm like, come on, people, you know, you're now Zoom bringing in more money than you've ever probably made. Hire some more <laughs> oh, people, yeah. do something right. So listen, this has been awesome. And I what I like is that it's giving people of those listeners another opportunity to look at their business strategy and how they're bringing people into their world, whether or not it's a masterclass, a webinar, a two-day event, a conference, a retreat, whatever. I believe there's room in any business model for a virtual event. So I'd love for you to share with the audience if they're wondering, like, well, how can I learn more about Alicia? Where can I find? Where can they connect with you? You know, what are you up to now that might be intriguing to them? Can you share a little bit? Absolutely. So you can always find me, um, Eventistry by Alicia. That's a mouthful.com. Hopefully you could link that in yeah, to link the website. <laughs> you can go to the website. I also have a free virtual event checklist that will give you a three month preparatory time. So you can actually see all the tasks that you need to do. Um, and then I also have amazing group programs for sponsorship, how to land your first sponsor. Um, and then also I have a free masterclass on how to start your own a virtual event. And so that can definitely be part of um, something that you look into and listen and, and get in there. Because again, if you don't know where to start, um, I'm making it easy for you. So definitely check out the links. Yeah, Appreciate absolutely. it. I mean, we will put those in there. Now I've got one final question. What do you know now that you wish knew when you first started out in business? Oh, um, you know, <laughs> maybe not so fun, um, but super necessary and super needed is, I, you know, always, always, always document everything, like anything that I do in business, unfortunately, which is terrible to say, I always document, right? And, huh. and I know it sounds again, like not okay, Alicia, you're such a fun, not person right now, not yeah. a fun person, but I always make sure I have records and documents of everything that I do mm -hmm. um, and ensure that every, you know, my business is, is all my T's are crossed, my diet, my eyes are dotted kind of thing, because mm -hmm. you never know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just something that I never, uh, my contracts, you know, keeping those airtight because 
you just never know. It's unfortunate, but you never know in business. I've, I've dealt with some fun things. Again, being in business since you're 14, you've seen a whole heck of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the, the not so fun tip from me. It's not so fun, but again, anyone who's been in my area for a while knows I'm all about the foundations. Set the shit up mm-hmm. correctly from the beginning. And the analogy I always use is that of the three little pigs. Most businesses come to me and they're like, uh, you know, a house made of hay or a house made of sticks, right? It wouldn't take much for that shit to crumble. Build your business of bricks. It might take you a little bit longer because bricks are heavier. It might cost you a little bit more because you've got to work with legals and get those contracts done. But the amount of time and energy and money, it is going to save you in the long run. And because remember, building a business is a long-term strategy, not a quick fix. If you're really in it, for like, as you said, you've been doing it since you're 14. I've been doing it for over a decade. Like none of us are just overnight. There's no fucking overnight success. So again, it's just like, again, build those foundations and do those not fun things now so you can actually enjoy your business later because if you've got hit with legals or something later you're not going to have fun anyway so you might as well not have fun at the beginning when it's kind (laughs) of hard anyways so yes listen thank you so much for being on the show today alicia i really appreciate it all the way tuning in from canada for the rest of you my team and i will also be putting together the show notes we'll make sure to include all those links that were mentioned from alicia at www.angelahenderson.com.au and for the rest of you listening have a fabulous day you amazing human and i look forward to you joining me again next week for another awesome episode of the business and life conversations podcast. Have an epic day. Thanks for listening to the business and life conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, www.angelahenderson.com.au.